Hey there, what's up, Warriors? It is Jeff from WarriorLife.com, and welcome to podcast episode number 336. So I have a special treat for you this week, because in true Warrior Life spirit, one of our loyal listeners and longtime followers, David Webb, recently reached out to me with some amazing advice and lessons learned from a real-life battle he just had with COVID-19. And after reading all of his tips, I just had to get him on the show to share his personal advice with you. So don't worry about taking notes because we've done all the heavy lifting for you with this week's free show notes, including a handy-dandy one-page cheat sheet covering all of David's main points. Just head on over to www.warriorlifepodcast.com slash 336 and you can download it all absolutely free. And now, let's talk cooties. Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. Welcome to the show that helps you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is the Warrior Life Podcast. All right, welcome, Warriors. This is Jeff Anderson, Executive Director of WarriorLife.com. And look, over the six plus years of producing our podcast, I've had the pleasure of sharing not just my decades of practical, tactical, and preparedness training but also the real life lessons that I've learned from my personal experience, whether that's from time spent in the military and on the battlefield to the deadly flood disaster that ravaged my little Texas town. Now, this training and these real world lessons have constantly shaped how I personally prepare myself and my family to be self-protected and self-reliant. But there's been one more resource over the years that at times has proven to be just as powerful in shaping my plans. And that resource is you. You see, while I have my own training experiences and share the advice from over 120 field experts that make up the Warrior Life Network on our website, we now have over one and a half million followers, people just like you, who have your own training and experiences and have willingly shared your tips, tactics, and your own lessons learned through your comments on our website and our social media channels. Now, I can tell you that your advice and feedback over the years has greatly influenced and improved my own safety and security plans. And it's that sharing of information that was the starting block for our new Warrior Life brand. And one of those regular contributors and an active member on our Warrior Life advisory board to help us develop our new initiative recently reached out with me uh, to me with some advice that I could only research and talk about to the best of my abilities, but he actually lived through it. See, David Webb was recently hospitalized with the COVID-19 virus. And this is somebody who you would not see as being unprepared or not knowing or being frivolous about preparing for not getting the virus. Now, it was this experience, there were things that he did right, and there were some things that he wished he'd done right. And in the true spirit of willing to share what he learned the hard way with our audience, he's here today to let us into what worked and didn't work along the way so that you can be better prepared. So, David, welcome to the program, man. I really appreciate you coming on. Jeff, thanks for having me. And uh, uh, no no particular, uh, as you said, bad experience uh, goes useless. And I've got plenty, plenty of things that I could have done better I'm willing to share. So, Again, thanks for having me on the program. Yeah, great to have you. We can always do a lot better. And like I said, this is something, you know, I've already done several podcasts on this topic and and it's all based upon my research. I've, I haven't had the COVID virus. I've been able to stay away from the cooties, but it is something that has really hit home. I've had friends that have had deaths in the family. Um, I've had friends who have been infected more than one time uh, by the virus. And it's, I'm kind of living in a bubble. Like I have 
kind of my own research and conjecture, and I can I can wax poetic here, as can a lot of other you know so-called experts out here in the industry. But the real, you know, it's you can't. You, there's just no substitute for experience. And so, listen, everybody. As as I told you before, I mean, David is somebody who I really look for his comments. There there are several people on our blog and and our podcast channel and everything that that like I look for their comments because there, there've been several things that I've changed in my own preparedness plan based upon, you know what, this is a great idea. Like I didn't know that, or this is a better idea than I had. So I look for these people who are, are really speaking from experience and make common sense arguments for ways of doing things in a very, in a very um, kind of a sharing way. Right. And David is one of those people that I really look to his advice and he's more than willing to give it. And I'm, I'm really excited to have him here. He does have a background where I mean, I can tell you, he's he's a U.S. Army veteran and he's a Navy trained deep sea diver who retired from over a 40 year career in the uh, with FedEx. Um, and judging from David's background and training, I'd say it's really been a lifetime spent preparing on all levels for his own self-reliance and self-protection. He's had eight years of staff service to County Emergency Management Office. Uh, he's an NRA chief range safety officer and certified pistol ratings. Uh, he's a state certified handgun instructor in Tennessee a state community emergency response team instructor, a former chief range safety officer. The list goes on and on. And I can tell you right now, we'd be here all day going through everything that he's had his experience. But David is also a nationally published author for Survivalist Magazine when it was in circulation and an avid operator, instructor, and board member for the Amateur Radio Relay Leagues. Um, but it's really like his experience here. Like I said, he's somebody that I know prepares on like a high level for his own safety and security. And I'm really looking forward to digging into his real world experience when it came to the COVID virus. So David, let's go ahead and jump in. First, I kind of want to start at the beginning here to give some background to this. So I have to ask you, do you have any idea for like how you got exposed? Because I know you were aware of this. I knew you were preparing, you were prepared for not getting infected, but do you have any idea of maybe where you got the exposure where, be, that, where you were infected? Yeah, it's absolutely a great question, Jeff, and something that you go through in your own mind. Of course, uh, we talk about lessons learned, and first lesson learned, I guess, is uh, you can be infected even though you think you're following best practices, wearing a mask, following uh, social distancing guidelines, staying out of big crowds, washing your hands, all that. Uh, in our case, um, it was almost certainly my wife, and even though she was practicing all those things, we thought at an acceptable level, uh, she came into it in contact, uh, and I won't mention the specific name, but let's just call it a local March store. Um, and I'm sure everybody's experience is going to be different in terms of when you're out in public or people wearing masks or not, or, or they maintaining their distance. But she was really aware and, and tried to practice those uh, best practices, and that notwithstanding, we wound up infected. Mm. Were there any lessons that were you learned in, in trying to keep yourself from getting exposed? Like I, I can personally say that I've been living in a mini bubble. Now we've we've taken precautions, me and my family have, and and for the most part, everybody is kind of potting together. Like we we have a very tight circle of people that we're exposed to, but there's also the you know people that you're exposed to that are exposed to other people. Like it just kind of becomes this network here, and so a lot of people would say, well, you know, if if 
if we're screwed anyway, if we're going to try and practice best practices, then, you know, why, then why bother if, if, you know, if God's going to get you, he's going to get you, if the cootie's going to get you. So any lessons learned from trying to keep yourself from getting exposed that may be helpful to people? Well, my, my suggestion is for folks to kind of get out of the box in their thinking. And uh, certainly I, you listen to the news media and you look at the CDC and the, the various sources that are out there. There's a lot of confusing, even contradictory information that you'll come across. And you mentioned being personally prepared and personally responsible. And I take that in this situation to say, I'm doing my own research. I'm conducting, you know, background searches to find out, can I get to reliable sources? Can I talk to somebody who's been there and done it? And, you know, what suggestions do they have? How in turn am I going to incorporate that? My suggestion to people listening is to really challenge yourself to get outside the box with some unconventional thinking. I'm going to say in the case of this, almost put yourself in a decontamination frame of mind. Uh, Treat everything that's brought from outside your home as being suspect. An example, don't pick up uh, potentially contaminated mail while you're putting away groceries. Uh, Personally, I'd no longer consider it excessive to wipe down groceries or things that you brought in from outside before putting them away. Um, Make sure that you're uh, sanitizing tables, counter spaces that you've used. Uh, The new mindset, I'm not cleaning, I'm really decontaminating. And again, there are so many things and how do your creativity kick in and how much are you willing to do as an individual? Um, Myself, as an example, um, I would consider using a full face shield in addition to the mask. Uh, It helps not only from uh, people coughing or sneezing or or airborne particles, but it also keeps you from inadvertently touching your face or contaminating your own mask. Uh, There's just a whole lot of different suggestions, and uh, I've I've got a bunch if you want me to keep going. Well, so so here's what I think. um, I want to let people know that there's been no shortage of advice on the news or anything of about how to stay away from it, like how to, how to stay safe, you know, social distancing, et cetera, et cetera. There's no shortage of any of that. The, uh, the real reason why, um, which really struck me when David had reached out to me and given me some of the lessons learned here was kind of from the infection point. Like if you do get sick, some of the things that would help you to basically deal with it better especially if you're hospitalized the way that David was. So that's where I really want you to tune in here because there are some things that you can do gear wise, so to speak, um, as well as things that David learned um, that were really useful to him when he was in the hospital. And these things could happen to you. Again, we can all learn those lessons and try and stay safe. And yes, you can still get infected. But from that point on, these lessons that David learned, I think are going to really help you be better, prepared, be better prepared should that actually happen. Of course, we prepare for the worst and we hope for the best, right? Well, that's where I really want you to tune in here. So David, I guess the, the first thing was that, um, that I always have kind of that question, which is like, when do you decide, okay, I'm going to, it's time to go to the hospital. Um, when you were feeling sick, and I, and I had a son uh, back in Chicago that actually had the virus for a couple of weeks. And so I know some of the things that he went through. And of course, some people are asymptomatic, et cetera, et cetera. But when, 
I always talk about that decision point in the, in the mind of when to pull the trigger on anything, whether that's an evacuation. Like, I'm always really curious about people's mindsets when they finally say, you know what, it's time. So what was it that triggered it for you when you were feeling sick that you decided, you know what, it's hospital time? Well, I, I think this is an example of one, one thing that we did well because the onset of the symptoms are gradual. It start, started a slight co- uh, cough, scratchy throat, just small things. My wife was about two days ahead of me on symptoms, but we were attuned to that. And then simultaneously, we were also monitoring our local hospital conditions uh, where our hospital rooms and emergency rooms were filling up. Uh, with COVID cases, and unfortunately, we lost a local radio personality uh, as a byproduct of COVID uh, because this gentleman broke an ankle, uh, couldn't get into a local hospital, was being transported uh, by ambulance about 100 miles away to a a hospital that had room and uh, threw a blood clot and died. So, uh, we were paying attention and, and had done some advanced studies on a source of uh, information about which local hospital had space, which local hospital's ER was full, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and then we'd also invested in a, uh, a finger pulse oximeter, they call them. And it's just a little battery-operated device. It's about 20 bucks. Uh, you can get it at a uh, corner drugstore. You can order them online. Don't have to spend a lot of money for them, but it measures your pulse rate and your oxygen level. And with all the other things going on, when I had all the other symptoms and that pulse oximeter, my pulse got down or my oxygen saturation got down to about 87%. Uh, and, and from, and I'm not a doctor, I'm not trying to offer medical advice, but from what I understood, if you're in the range of 88, 89 in that range, you need to get yourself to a hospital. So uh, with everything in conjunction there, that was the point for us that we pulled the trigger and said, because we got the device uh, and all the other symptoms and here's the hospital situation, we picked one that looked to have rooms and uh, I knew that I could get in it and uh, based off my insurance, and that's another good prep to to do, is in advance, don't guess where your insurance will cover. Make sure you know that. Um, So if you've got to go to a specific hospital, make that a known uh, reaction point. Yeah, really good point. So you said in your email to me that it was it was good to have your go bag ready and waiting by the door when you decided that it was go time to, to get out to the hospital. So I mean, we have a lot of gear junkies out there, me included, me included, my hands raised. I'm a gear junkie. Um, what items did you already have kind of packed away ahead of time and ready to go when, when it was go time? Well, I say you learn more from failure than from success and being honest. Um, this was a scenario for me that I said, you know what? My normal go bag is just the wrong thing. I don't need to show up in the, in the emergency room, able to start a fire, uh, have, you know, with spare ammunition and something to, to hunt for rabbits. That's just a long kit. So it cost me time. And Jeff, I know in, in many of your other presentations, including the story about what happened to the flood in your town, uh, you made a very um, compelling point about saying sometimes the difference between uh, living and dying is just being able to react 
uh, in a definitive manner in a short period of time. And that, with that mindset, even though I had that and I knew I had to get out the door, it still cost me valuable time to put things that I needed uh, or, or wanted to have in a go bag that fit a unique situation with COVID that said, you're going in the hospital, you're there by yourself, uh, your loved one or the person driving you is not coming in the back door with you, uh, they're not getting in the room, you're totally on your own. Now, fortunately, I was able to communicate, uh, you know, speak physically and, and had a cell phone, but uh, some of the items, and I mean, when you think about what do I need to take with me to a hospital, um, the standard, you know, personal care, comfort, all those kinds of things, underwear, uh, you know, pajamas if you want them, dental care, uh, your own personal, you know, grooming items, things of that nature. You can go through and make a list of that in, in fairly short order. This unique circumstance, though, in my case, really pointed out the need, and I, and I mentioned to you that I have an encrypted thumb drive, and I keep a lot of information um, on that thumb drive about financials and health and just copies of everything and all that. In this circumstance, that thumb drive was useless. Um, my laptop, I wasn't going to take it uh, and not have it available for my wife at home not knowing what would happen as far as having it to the hospital. Uh, so left it at home. The phone drive is not something I'm just going to hand over along with the password uh, in an in a open in emergency room. So in this case, one of the things that's really struck me after the fact uh, are the need for hard printed copies. And those include uh, copies of your current medications, dosages, health conditions, your personal health history, phone numbers, contact info uh, for relatives or anyone you've given a medical power of attorney to, uh, a copy of a living will advanced care directive, uh, names and contact info for all your medical service providers, your own medical ID information, a copy of it. And those kinds of things, again, I was fortunate because I could speak you know, had enough had enough uh, oxygen in my system to be able to speak and give them copies and answer things like that. Uh, but again, in this circumstance, what if that weren't the case? Do you have a care package that you could label medical that you know you hand it off to the ER attendant and and they can find the information that they need? Again, saving time. Yeah. And I'll let everybody know that there, we are going to, I mean, when, when David reached out to me, there was an extensive list. Like he really gave like a checklist of, of everything that he recommended that, um, that, that people have. So we will make that available in the show notes for this episode as well. Um, David, you did have some other personal care items and, and things like that in there that I think were there. I think they're the things that a lot of people just kind of forget about or, we take them for granted because they're part of our everyday life. And sometimes they're not necessary, but sometimes they, they can make things more comfortable. They can make things easier. They can help protect things like you said, like, um, you know, having a spare cell phone charger with an extra long charging cable. That's something that people wouldn't necessarily, you know, think to have as, as an item that they would need for the hospital or something. But anybody that's ever been in like the emergency room or in, in, in one of those, like, 
a lot of those plugs are used up by, by medical devices and, and you never know like how far of a distance it's going to be between all that stuff. And uh, you want to go through some of the other items that you had listed in the, um, that you would, would suggest people have packed away there? Sure. Absolutely. Um, I'm hearing impaired <laughs> the advantage of being around firearms for long periods of time, but, um, I had a, I had a situation that I had a hearing aid fail. Uh, I mean, physically the wire on it broke and it just quit working and it created kind of a, an unbalanced hearing situation. So I elected not to use that, uh, remaining hearing aid and the old analogy, uh, two is one and one is none. When you've only got one set of hearing aids, um, something you may consider in advance is do I, do I invest in a, much less expensive set as a backup or some other alternative. So those kinds of things in this particular circumstance, uh, I had a stick of lip balm, um, chapstick sort of stuff. Uh, petroleum jelly would have been really nice because being on oxygen um, just around the clock, uh, I couldn't keep moisturized and my lips were just chapped and would have been really miserable. Uh, but uh, those kinds of things, eye drops. If you if you have dry eyes, uh, I'm I'm Catholic, so uh, I would have really enjoyed having uh, a, a devotional, a rosary, you know, different face, have different things, whatever it means to you. If it lifts your spirit, uh, it could be a book of poems or whatever you like. But uh, those kinds of items that just again in my in my mental preparations. No way would I have anticipated that I'd been stuck in a hospital for six days with no access to any of that. So uh, those kinds of things. Um, again, I didn't have to wear a hospital gown, but a change of clothes. Um, one of the uh, most important things would have been a small wire-bound notebook with a pen and, I say, spare pencils. And the reason why the wire-bound notebook it allows you the opportunity to keep things together that you want together or to tear something out. And literally much of the communication that I did was via written note uh, specifically to get to the doctor because in most cases, the nurses didn't take anything into the room um, that they didn't leave in the room in the way of isolation gear and they didn't want to take anything out of the room. Now, your facility may have a different protocol, but in this particular hospital, uh, they observed a very strict quarantine protocol that everything stayed in the room. So the ability to write down questions so that the nurse could literally bring her phone in, take a picture of my questions and get it outside uh, to be able to ask the doctor uh, was very important, not to mention things that I wanted to keep track of, um, hospital staff names, medications that I was given, those kinds of things. So, um, again, the ability to keep it all together would have been nice. I had pieces of paper that I was fumbling around in a pen, and I really missed that notebook. Yeah. Well, let me ask you, I mean, what, what, what items did you not have with you that you learned would be helpful later on? Um, oddly enough, the uh, in the room, we talked a little bit about the finger pulse oximeter, um, in the room, the, the normal room uh, oxygen monitor failed, and they didn't have a spare for it. 
Now, I was actually sitting there practicing my breathing using the machine, and uh, it failed, and uh, I'd, I left it alone for, for about half a day, and being a, an old computer guy, I finally figured I was going to mess with it. Later, I found out I wasn't supposed to, but anyway, uh, actually did some uh, tweaking to get the thing back working and uh, got it working. But in the intervening period, if I'd had that little finger oximeter uh with me or oxygen level monitor, uh, I could have I could have used that as a backup. It's what the nurses use. Um, I'm lactose intolerant. I had um, a dose or two of lactate with me. Um, it took forever to get the hospital uh, advised of the fact that I'm lactose intolerant and quit putting milk and ice cream and that sort of stuff uh, in. But if I'd have had more of those pills, that would have been nice. Uh, we talked to the doctor and uh, never really sure, but I had much more uh, indigestion than I normally have. And I, I don't eat a lot of spicy food. The hospital food was pretty good and, and spiced well. Not really sure if it, that was the cause. The doctor suggested it could have been because of the oxygen. Uh, but uh, long story short, um, even though they gave me meds for for uh, acid stomach, uh, if I'd have just had some uh, pocket tones or something, that would have been nice. Those kinds of individual things that people think through and they go, I'm used to that. It could be hard candy, whatever. Uh, one of the really strange things I found at the hospital was that uh, I don't drink coffee. And, of course, all the, the breakfast and a couple of meals, I'd, they'd bring coffee and offer it. So... Um, I didn't have coffee. I asked them for tea bags, and they go, we don't have any tea bags. And I found that real strange because I'm used to in the hospital to, to say, you know, can I get a tea bag or a uh, sherbet or something like that. Well, in this case, I don't know if it was because of COVID specifically or just demand of having so many patients in the hospital, but those supplies weren't available. And, again, if I'd have had hot tea bags in my in my hospital go bag, uh, I could have gotten hot water and could have made my own tea. So, um, again, the opportunity to kind of get creative in what makes your creature comfort list of this is something I want to have. And when you put it in the framework of there's nobody there to, to bring it to me or to get it to me or the hospital is not going to allow it in because of quarantine restrictions, if you bring it in with you, you know, you've got it. So it's an exercise in creative thought. Yeah. You know, I think one of the things that people don't realize until a family member is not kind of contributing to the everyday life, like we take our, we take our days kind of for granted, we get used to our routines and people doing certain things. And now in this case, your wife was, was she also hospitalized or was she able to stay at home? No, her symptoms were nowhere near as bad and she was able to be at home. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, so all of a sudden you're removed from the home and there are things that you were like, you really just need to focus in on, on your care and getting through this whole thing. I think people get a quick lesson in to how much other members of the family have taken care of certain areas before. Were there any family responsibilities or arrangements you would, you know, that you should have made or would have looking back on it, have made things easier for you and your family while you were in the hospital? That's a great point, Jeff. And the reality, 
that I faced is even though my wife's really capable and um, certainly motivated and, and able to do those kinds of things, <clears throat> we never sat down and had a walkthrough of here's a, uh, and, and I put in my note, we don't have all of our bills on auto pay. Some of them we do manually. Uh, well, we don't have any single place that we've sat down together and gone through that schedule and said, okay, on this date of the month, this bill is due. Here's where it goes. Here's how you pay it. Um, haven't gone through that with, a, okay, I've got primary responsibility, but if something happens, you've got every resource you need to be able to do that. And I mentioned the laptop. Uh, that was part of the reason I left the laptop here. That information was there, and she had the ability to go in and extract it, but it wasn't convenient. Uh, I had to kind of prompt her through some of that just to make sure things were uh, taken care of and bills weren't, uh, you know, being missed or whatever. But um, had I not been able to, to talk, had I been on a, a full ventilator uh, in the ICU, that would have been problematic. And the, the caveat with all this, of course, is if you're in an ICU, uh, you know, all this, all this changes. But we're talking just trying to be um, – in a unique situation, being isolated. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, man, your, your, your experience really um, is an eye opener, especially on the gear side and especially things that people should have packed away. And I can tell you, I, I have not had any of these things packed away. And again, I sometimes get in a bubble just like everybody else does. And this is a great laundry list of things for me to like, I've got boxes and boxes here at my headquarters of things like, you know, chicken soup. And I, I have, I've got a ton of stuff if it, for, for home care, but if I go to the hospital, I'm not taking any of that stuff with me. And some of the stuff that you've talked about are things that I have certainly not thought about as far as having in a, in a kit. So I'm really, uh, you've already helped me out a lot and I'm sure people out there are going to find this list and this advice really helpful as well. Are there any last bits of advice to our listeners that you'd want them to learn from your experiences before we sign off? Well, from my days on the range, one odd item that I would have liked to have had, and it sounds unusual, but uh, the grab stick, little remote pickup device that a lot of people use pick up brass or and they drop their hearing, hearing protection on the line, whatever. Uh, that would have been great to have in the hospital because I was forever knocking stuff off the table and hooked up to wires and tubes and all that in a hospital bed. Uh, that grab stick sure would have come in handy. But <laughs> just in general, um, again, I encourage everybody to really uh, take all this seriously and think through the things in terms of personal protection. We mentioned a full face shield. Sounds a little crazy, but if that makes a difference between uh, not coming down with it and, and uh, getting sick, I'd say, you know, go the extra mile. Uh, the other thing, personal suggestion, is we learned – that we were not washing our hands properly. Everybody talks about washing your hands. And if you understand how COVID lives, the virus is, is within a basically a fat capsule that protects it. And the way that you break that down is either chemically with alcohol and hand sanitizers and those kinds of products or with soap and water. But the key is that with soap and water hand washing, you need warm water to hot water to actually melt that fat away and expose the virus. 
and you need to do a concentrated 20 seconds of hand washing, which is about twice of uh, the verse of happy birthday. So if you sing happy birthday to yourself twice with warm to hot water, as hot as you can take it, and soap, that's what it takes to wash your hands. And a follow-on to that is using a good lotion uh, to help keep your hands from drying out and sealing the cracks in your hands. So I'd offer that suggestion. Yeah. All good advice, David. All good advice. Thank you, Mayor. I'm glad you guys uh, made it out of there safe. And uh, thanks again for all this great advice. You want to sign us out with our motto? Or uh, I didn't prep you for this, but uh, you want to sign us out for uh, for this week's broadcast? Oh, Jeff, what an honor. I thought I'd never, ever live for this. And I am every man in that regard. But uh, prepare, train, and survive. Awesome. Thanks so much, everybody. Take care. You've been listening to the Warrior Life Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us spread the mission of self-reliance and self-protection when you rate us. And leave us a comment wherever you enjoy these podcasts. And don't forget to check out our posts and videos on our social media channels. You'll see a full directory when you visit our website at www.warriorlife.com. We'll see you next time. This has been the Warrior Life Podcast. Prepare. Train. Survive.